0: Hi guys, it's Shawnee and welcome back to Lawler's Scotland Podcast. So today we have something that I've been working on for quite a while. Obviously if you've been listening to the last couple of podcasts, you'll know that I have been doing so much research recently. I'm planning on bringing out an international series like super soon and that took up a lot of my time, I'm not going to lie. Plus I'm back at work full time as well and we all know how much that sucks so yeah time and time management has never been a strong suit of mine anyway so I've actually not recorded for a quite a while because I've had like a wee bit of a break from recording because I've been focusing on all this research. If you listen to the episode that is the mysterious murder of a Glasgow Porn King where we found out about the murder of wee Eddie, then you'll know that this is the episode that follows that episode. You don't need to listen to it either to have... It's not a continuation of a story... It's just a story that intertwines with one another. And I promised in that episode that we would do this today. Which is the world's end murders. There's a lot going on with this guy. It's like there's a lot going on with this guy. So I want to start by telling you all about a man called Angus Sinclair. If you listen to We Eddie then that name will ring a bell. He went by Gus when he was Wee Eddie's friend back in the day of them taking porn photos and all this sort of stuff. But I'm not going to go through that again because if you want to know more about Wee Eddie, the Glasgow Porn King, go listen to the episode. Simple. Angus Sinclair grew up in St George's Cross area in Glasgow. He was born in Glasgow's Rotten Row Maternity Hospital in 1945, a month after the war had ended. And just like a little FYI side note for people, that is also the same hospital that I was born in. Claim to fame. He was the third child of Angus and Mamie Sinclair. He has an older brother and an older sister, John and Connie. His father was a joiner from Stirling and Mimi was a daughter of a coal miner from Schott's. Post-war Glasgow was an overcrowded, blackened, smog ridden, dirty city. They struggled to get by. In 1949, when Angus was only four, his dad was diagnosed with leukaemia. And for two years he watched his father die and his mother look after him. He went to Grove Street Primary across the street from his flat in 1950. He was the smallest boy in his class and he was often picked on for this matter. So from a right early age he was getting bullied pretty much by the other kids in his class and older kids as well. His father died a month before Sinclair started Primary 2. So he's very young at this time. He's like, what, five or six? I mean, it's never a nice age to lose your dad, is it? But obviously it's it's harder the younger you are. Obviously after it all came out of who he was and what he'd done, quite a few neighbours and school friends had came out with comments And they basically were all pretty much the same, where one guy had said that they went to the same school in, like, 1953 and he always just said that he was, like, a strange wee boy, even from a young age. And another neighbour had said that Sinclair had lived two or three doors down from her and he basically came from a very strange family. She thought that they were all a wee bit weird and that he was... I can't, I can't remember the exact word she used, but, yeah, basically, like, just a bit of a weirdo. And she said that his sister Connie seemed like she was okay, but she was quite a big girl for her age. And, obviously, Sinclair was very small, so they both got picked on quite a lot. But I think Angus got the rougher end of the deal. Because he was a bit strange as well as being, for what the the kids thought at the time, a wee bit abnormal because he was, he was a very small child. A teenage Sinclair at the age of 16 in 1961 lured his first victim, Catherine Rehill, into a stairwell before raping and strangling her not too far away from his flat in Glasgow. Catherine was only seven years old at the time of her death. When I say this guy is an arsehole, he's an arsehole. I mean, there's just no words sometimes for some people, you know, and that's kind of how I feel about Angus Sinclair because as we get into it, you'll totally understand. I don't want to say too much and spoil it, obviously, but yeah, I'm, I'm holding back my opinion right now and I will unleash it at some point. Let's go back to Catherine. Catherine was visiting family, she stayed in Hamilton, she was visiting family in the Glasgow area, like I said, St George's Cross area and back then obviously life was a little bit different from how it is now, it's a bit more easy going, I even remember from the point of view of me when I was younger in, in school and things like that and I lived in Glasgow, we had a lot more freedom than the kids have these days. It's not too I don't know. It's not like there wasn't dangers out there because obviously Catherine can attest to that. There was dangers. We were maybe not as educated on those dangers and therefore children did have freedom. But either way, there's we can debate that on a live session one day. But Catherine had a lot of freedom when she was staying with family in Glasgow even at seven-year-olds, she was allowed to go to the shops herself, she was allowed to go down the street to play with other children herself, unsupervised, go to the park, go on walks, all these kind of things and like I said it's very normal for that kind of thing to have happened back then even more so than when I was younger but yeah that's how I lived my life in Glasgow as well, I was pretty much allowed to do anything as long as that up to like the basic rules of like don't go away with a stranger don't take anything from a stranger don't even really speak to a stranger and don't go anywhere where you obviously know you're not allowed to go as long as you stuck to those rules oh and the like classic rule actually I don't even know how I forgot this was you need to be home in time for the street lights coming on so Catherine's upbringing would have been pretty much similar to mine in that respect she will have known the places that she was and wasn't allowed to go. Don't speak to strangers, like when the lamps come on and the streetlights, home time, all that kind of things. Plus, the adults, like, trusted the kids to do things like errands, like go to the shop, go to the post office, all these kind of things. And that's exactly what Catherine was doing on the day of her murder and when Angus just so happened to see her and take his opportunity To play out one of his little weird fantasies. She was running errands for her family. But unfortunately she would never return. Oh and by the way as well. This wasn't his like first brush with the law. It wasn't as if he just jumped from being a normal kid. A wee bit weird but law abiding to like full blown rapist murderer of a seven year old child. He had, like, a few wee things from when he was younger. When he was, like, 13, he stole from the church collection and he got caught. He got 12 months probation. Later that same year, he appeared in court accused of breaking into a house. But I think he got found innocent for that. In the same year that he murdered Catherine, he got found guilty of lewd behaviour against an eight-year-old girl. Now, I tried to look into like what kind of lewd behaviour but unfortunately I can't find anything online I might have missed it I don't know but I tried I tried I promised I tried but I couldn't find it so if anyone does find out like what what has like build up acts where if you if you know what I mean it's hard because you don't want to look too much into it because obviously things that happen to children that aren't supposed to happen to children are not pleasant to hear, read, speak about. But I also feel like when you do a podcast like this, you kind of have to give over all the information. And I don't like the fact that I don't know what it was that he got found guilty of. It just literally said lewd behaviour. So, hey, I tried. He got given three months probation for... eh, Sorry, three years probation for that. And seven months into that probation is when he murdered, for the first time, Catherine Rihill, as we were just saying before. Sinclair sexually assaulted and strangled her in his flat. He then threw her body down a stairwell. He even called the ambulance himself. This is what I do not get. He told the operator that a wee girl had fallen down the stairs. And he even told Catherine's mum that it was all an accident. Like, oh hey, listen, your daughter, terrible news about what happened to her. I was there, I seen her fall down the stairs. It was all an accident. But after being questioned by the police, 16-year-old Sinclair confessed to culpable homicide and was sentenced to 10 years in jail. And good riddance to you, Mr Sinclair. Or so we would have all hoped. But, as always, with things, things don't always work out the way we want them to. And, of course, he got out of jail early. Of course he did. I mean, he only just, like, sexually assaulted, raped, killed, lied, and whatever else, a seven-year-old girl will just let you out on good behaviour. But anyway, while he was in jail, he was in jail in Edinburgh. Which I thought was a wee bit strange but I didn't actually think to look into why because obviously he lives in Glasgow, the offence happened in Glasgow but he was in Edinburgh's salt prison. But while he was in there he trained as a painter decorator and in 1978 he married trainee nurse Sarah McCulloch. Two years later they had a son called Gary. So at the time, just after he was convicted of Catherine's murder and in jail learning to be a painter decorator blah blah a psychiatrist report from the prison quoted i do not think that any form of psychotherapy is likely to benefit his condition he will he will constitute a danger from now onwards he's obsessed with sex and given the minimum of opportunity he will repeat these offenses despite this Sinclair served only six out of his 10-year sentence and was released in his early 20s and took up a trade of being painter-decorator. In 1970, he married trainee nurse Sarah McCulloch and two years later they had a son called Gary. So let's jump forward a little bit and away from Sinclair for about two seconds in this story. We're now in Edinburgh in 1977. Christine, Eddie and Helen Scott went to school together at Fairhill High School. Both were 17 and were heading out for a night out in the centre of Edinburgh in celebration of both of them just starting to work, getting out in the real world, basically taking the first steps into like womanhood of the time. Them and a couple of friends made their way into a few bars on the Royal Mile before going to the World's End pub. On that night in October 1977, Helen let her parents, Moiran and Margaret, know she was heading out for the night. She usually came home around 11.30 and she was not one for staying out too late. Christine, meanwhile, had already struck out into the world. She would left school at 16 and was working at a surveyor's office she was also sharing a flat with her friend tony who was 29 years old helen had met up with a school pal jacqueline before she met up with christine and the other guys that they're going to be hanging about with later on in the night they went to a pub on princess street the royal mount and then headed to another bar to catch up with tony and christine before then moving on to the world's end for last orders the place was completely packed and shortly after arriving at the bar helen and christine attracted the attention of two men in the bar angus was frequently visiting all these pubs he by this point lived very close by to the center of edinburgh with his wife and his son his brother-in-law gordon hamilton used to go out drinking with him all the time to these pubs. Gordon Hamilton was a lot younger than Angus and kind of looked up to him as a big brother, a figure of admiration. Christine and Helen's friends were keen to move on. There was rumours of a house party and they were all getting ready to leave to go on to the secondary place. Latter orders are called at the bar, everywhere's kind of shutting down, people are mingling outside and if you're so lucky you might get invited to a house party to continue on the party. Obviously, ergo Helen was not one for staying out late and for whatever reason, Christine wasn't feeling up to a house party either so both girls decided that that wasn't going to be for them tonight. They said their goodbyes and left with the two male strangers. This was at around 11.15pm. Christine took a fall when they were walking and PC John Rafferty was passing by. He knew Christine quite well and paused to help her to her feet. And when he realised that she was okay, she wasn't hurt, he said his goodbyes and left the four of them to go on their way. He would later identify one of the men as being Sinclair. What happened next started a 40-year mystery perplexing one of scotland's most skilled detectives it was everywhere they could not catch a break with this case even though there was plenty of witnesses that had seen both girls leave with these two gentlemen there was not a lot of evidence or things that could link people to the murders but don't worry we do get there eventually. At some point, we get there. Sinclair would later claim that both girls had joined himself and his brother-in-law willingly in a double sex session in his caravanette parked under Arthur's seat. Which, if you don't know, Arthur's seat is a hill, right in the center of edinburgh it's super popular everybody claims that there's like fairies and stuff up there one day i'll do an episode on the folklore but that's for another time you can google it if you fancy knowing what that is right now and can't wait for a future episode so he's just like parking up his little caravan and going out with his brother-in-law picking up random girls and taking them back willingly, he says, and I air quoted that. But clearly we know that's not the case, Angus. Like, no. You've got your little dirty sex dungeon that you're obviously hiding from your wife and you're prowling the streets for victims, you know? It's it's not no. But he also claimed later as well that He had absolutely nothing to do with the murders and it was all his brother-in-law Hamlin. He had said that he must have killed them after they had had their little sex fling because he had nothing to do with it because he took the caravan fishing. I mean, why? Let's say for instance that what he's saying is like true, okay? You've just had like a foursome with your brother-in-law. And by the way, great, great brothering skills, like letting your sister's boyfriend cheat on you and participate in it with him. Oh, God, man, Jesus, come on, people. But anyway, say it did happen. Why would you have a foursome? Then kick the three of them out to go fishing in the middle of the night. And like you're clearly drunk as well. So it doesn't really make sense. Unless you've meant that he went fishing the next morning so then he couldn't have killed them. But yeah, listen, it didn't stack up either way. And it, it's clear, like, I'm trying to make it stack up for him. Like, no, it's not working. It's not. You're, you're shite at lying. That's all I'm saying. Moiran Scott and his wife Margaret, parents of Helen, waited for her to return. By Sunday morning, alarm bells were ringing out for both of them. Mrs Scott rang Jacqueline to see if Helen had slept at her house and when that drew a blank, Jacqueline joined the worried couple at Christine's flat where Tony told them neither girl had appeared from the night before. They rang the police and reported Helen missing and waited for news but obviously when news came it wasn't good news. A couple strolling between Aberlady and Longniddry made the first terrible discovery. Christine was found battered, bruised and strangled. She had been strangled with her own tights. Her pants had been stuffed in her mouth and her bra was wrapped around her head. Four hours later, Helen's body would be discovered on farmland only six miles away at Haddington. Helen also had been beaten and strangled and was partially naked. Her jeans, shoes and handbag were all missing. Both women had been raped. Police were under pressure. Two nice, young, normal, upstanding girls about to set off into the big world for the first time murdered six miles away from each other. Then they found out who they were and that they were friends out on the same night out, it created uproar in the community. It created a lot of media attention. So the manhunt began. Roadblocks were put up, bodies in the area were quizzed, drinkers at the world's end were tracked down and questioned. Detectives and forensic scientists searched for evidence, but let's be honest, it's 1977. We all know the score here. DNA was not so much a thing and the technology just wasn't there yet. 24,000 pages of statements were taken. The investigation was massive for its time. Loads of false leads, but every single one had to be followed up. 30 annoying letters had suggested possible suspect to who the killer had been, But again, all of these led to nothing. All of them had to be followed up. All of them wasting police time. Now, what really struck me about all this was the parents found out about two bodies being found before they even knew it was Helen and Christine. They found out via the media that two bodies had been found. And obviously, they knew that Helen and Christine had been out together. They thought the worst from the very... it's heartbreaking 37 years countless hours of police time thousands of interviews and millions of tears no one knew who the killer was for 37 years and finally finally in 2007 hope had returned angus sinclair was tried for the murder of christine eddie and helen scott but what started as hope for the families and the community and the police all came tumbling down when the case against Angus Sinclair collapsed. In 1989, and Scott said he had promised his wife Margaret on her deathbed that he would secure justice for their daughter Helen. Because they were so close and Moiran probably thought that he was finally fulfilling his promise to his dying wife that they would get justice for their daughter and the whole case is just thrown out. The trial lasted only two weeks before the judge ruled that there was no case to answer. The prosecutor was criticised for failing to put potentially crucial DNA evidence forward to the jury. This evidence suggested that Sinclair had tied knots on the ligatures used to bind and strangle both girls. So let's recap at this point because there's a lot going on okay. We know Angus Sinclair is an arsehole, yeah? We know this. He's been caught stealing, breaking into houses, he's sexually assaulted children, he sexually assaulted raped and killed children. What I also know from his past as well, in the years after the killing of Christine Eddie and Helen, he, in 1988, he spent a short spell in prison for illegally possessing a 22-calibre revolver and the ammo for it. Police investigations found that he committed a string of indecent assaults and rapes against young boys and girls of the ages between 8 and 11. In 1982, he pled guilty to 11 charges and was sentenced to life in prison. In 2000, police did a cold case review of an unsolved murder of Mary Gallagher, which happened in November 1978. So, the year after... Helen Scott and Christine Eddy were murdered. Also after the murder of Wee Eddy, the Glasgow Porn King, who we all know the possible suspect for that murder is Angus Sinclair. So this is all happening around about the same time, even though he's getting caught at different points in time in the future. So this cold case review in 2000 of Mary Gallagher's murder, I mean... What happened to her was deep, yeah? Same kind of ammo as what happened to Christine Eddy and Helen Scott. She had been dragged into the bushes, sexually assaulted, her throat was cut, and had ligatures around her neck. Among forensic files, there was a sample of semen, which was DNA tested and showed a profile matching Sinclair's. In June 2001, he was convicted of Mary's murder and received another life sentence. So now he's in prison for two life sentences. One being when he pleaded guilty in 1982 to the 11 charges brought against him of sexual assault and decency etc, rape of boys, girls and women and now Mary Gallagher as well. Also it's pretty important to note at this point as well that Gordon Hamilton, the brother-in-law, died in 1996 So way before Sinclair was brought to court for the murders of Helen and Christine. So he never got held accountable for his part in it. But we all kind of know at this point who the ringleader is, you know, because it was already mentioned by loads of people that knew both of them that Gordon pretty much followed angus and claire about looked up to him admired them, that kind of thing plus angus has been a wrong one from the very start you know and what else i found was it was pretty shocking i'm not gonna lie because how anyone can get away with this for so long and not Get caught, I don't understand. But in 1977, it was thought that he murdered six other women within seven months. Frances Baker, Hilda Macaulay, Anna Kenny were a few of the names that I could track down, and they were all from Glasgow. Anna Kenny was twenty, she was last seen alive as she left the Herdie bar in Townhead in Glasgow. On August 1977, she disappeared after a night out with her friends. Anna left the hurdy-gurdy bar with a man who later told police that she had left him to get a taxi home. Her skeleton was found nearly two years later in a shallow grave near Skipness, and no one was ever convicted of her murder. Frances Baker is said to be another one of Angus Sinclair's victims, but not proven. Actually... For the murder of Francis Baker, there was someone convicted of her murder and put in jail, a man called Thomas Ross. He had pled his innocence all the way up to his death in July 2014. Hilda Macaulay, mum of two, was last seen leaving a dance at the Plaza Ballroom in Glasgow with a smartly dressed man. A 36-year-old divorcee was found in Bushes at the rear of the railway arch opposite a caravan park in Longbank on the 2nd of October 1977. Her body was discovered by kids out picking blackberries near a lover's lane. What a sight for kids man. Like kids should just never see that kind of thing. But unfortunately we don't live in a perfect world and we all know that. But yeah, so none of these murders and probably like a few more that I didn't even find were actually proven to be linked to Angus Sinclair in a definite way. Opportunity was there, you know, that kind of thing. But he was never convicted of them. So fast forward now into... 2014 where a retrial finally finds Angus Sinclair guilty of the world's end murders. 37 years later he was 69 and the life sentence that he received for these murders would see him die in jail. He was ordered to spend at least 37 years in jail at this point. Thank God for that poor, poor family and friends of both of those girls. I mean, even thinking about Mary Gallagher, who was lying in a shallow grave for like two years before her body was even recovered. I mean, I don't know what is worse. I mean, obviously, any murder is worse. But if you're thinking about it from a point of view, if it was your sister, brother, mum, dad, whatever... Would you rather have the body and know exactly what happened to them but not know who the killer was or do two years where you don't know anything at all? I feel like that would be so much worse because are they still out there? Are they alive? Are they just kidnapped and kept somewhere? Or have they been murdered? There's too many questions with the unknown of that for me. Either way, Touchwood, wood, I, I don't wish it upon my worst enemy, of course not, but... You think to yourself, what that family must have gone through would have been, oh, that would have been too much. But, you know, karma rolls back around and I feel like everything in the world has, like, a balance, yeah? So when someone does something, like, so terrible and so disgusting to another human being or even an animal, you're going to get your comeuppance and that Angus Sinclair did because he spent so many years behind prison to finally end up dying in jail and near the end it was reported that he was incontinent and bedbound following a series of strokes. Apparently he could not look after himself at all, like doing nothing for himself, he was proper half deed at this point. He died in March last year 2019 at the age of 73 and he died in Glenick prison alone in his cell. Now did he deserve to live to the age of 73? Zero chance but does it make me a bit happy that I found out that he was like pissing and shitting himself all by himself in a jail cell with no one to look after him. And, like, obviously they were looking after him enough to not be negligent. But it's not the same that if you're a 70-year-old man and it's, like, your granddad that's not well, you're going to treat them with love and affection and make sure they're looked after to the best of your abilities. If it's some old guy that used to rape and abuse children and murdered countless women murdered a child when he was a child it's it's hard to find the sympathy there you know it's no nah, i've strike that from the record there is just no sympathy there i have zero sympathy for that guy at all i'm just like me kid wish you had suffered a little bit more and it just looks like an asshole as well like see if you see his pictures you're just like nah man nah Plus, I'm a hundred percent certain that he killed Wee Eddie as well because I mean, why not at this point? When him and Eddie used to kick about together was like prime time for when he was going on these like murderous sprees with these young women. I'm a hundred percent convinced that he might have found out about what Sinclair was up to because they were like best pals, and he probably said something. Or maybe Angus just couldn't live with someone knowing his dirty little secret other than Gordon who he pretty much knew he could control probably. So yeah, that's that is the story in full of the world's end pub murders. I know I focused a lot on angus sinclair and his backstory but you have to you know because this guy was doing shitty things from the age of 13 and even though the world's end murders were the biggest thing for 37 years like the biggest unsolved mystery in scotland apart from Bible John because Bible John is still unknown which FYI we will do an episode in the future on Bible John but we need to switch up a little bit every now and again I like to do a really old one a new one a middle one international series one so Bible John will probably come after international season series sorry and then we're into October which is spooky season and that is my favourite because we have going to have so much fun in spooky season my favourite time of year is October we have well October slash November I like like the middle bit in between we have Halloween we have Guy Fawkes night both my favourite holidays ever and we're going to be doing lots of spooky cases and supernaturally things as well it's going to be fun it's going to be so much fun also i will post very soon when we will do a live on the pods app so if you haven't downloaded the app already it's super easy just go into your play store or whatever the one on apple's called and download the app pods pop it into the search bar Download it, you can go on, you can listen to podcasts as normal in there as well. But you can also click on the live button, go in, and there's loads of shows that do all day long. There's different shows on all different times of the day. There's some comedy shows, there's some music shows. There's people in talking about life, love, laughter. It's great, it's great fun. You need to come and join me on a live in the Podbean app because. The people that are on there that already do shows, like, big them up. They are so good at what they do. So I highly recommend jumping on there. That is your recommendation for the week. I don't have a trailer to add on to this one. So there is your promo trailer. Go check it out. Download it. Check it out. See if you don't like it. Just delete the app. There's literally nothing stopping you just from giving it a shot give it a try and I think that's pretty much all I've got to say today so it makes a change doesn't it but as always follow me on Instagram on Twitter Facebook as well I always forget Facebook but there is a Facebook it's Lawless Scotland I don't really use it that often but you know follow me on all of them and all that jazz And leave me a review if you feel so inclined. It obviously helps me improve and grow the show if I know what you guys like. I do lots of different types of episodes. So I would like for some people to give me some feedback on what ones are your favourites. Do you like the court roundups, which are always more recent cases, smaller cases all put together, or the odds like just medium-sized ones. Um, I've got the international series coming up obviously I do once a month me and Emma get together and she records an episode with me so obviously it's nice to have someone to talk to and not have to do all the talking and we will do one again soon but yeah let me know which type of episode's your favourite and please come and join me on a live because that'll be super fun as well apart from that and have a nice day and i will see you all later bye guys